Well, we um, have been talking about contentment, and I'm content, so we're moving on. And uh, I trust you are too. We've had a great time looking at the Word of God. What an amazing subject. Contentment. To be content is to be happy. To be content is to be rich. Now, while we are content with what we have, we actually are not to be content with who we are. We have to always be striving to be the best version of who God wants us to be. One of the greatest examples in the Bible of someone who wasn't content with who he was, content with his surroundings, what he had, but not content with who he was, is a little-known Bible character in a remote passage tucked away right in the middle of a nine chapters, 500 names, the chronologies in First Chronicles, is a man by the name of Jabez. And that's who we're going to talk about this morning, the journey of Jabez, a great man who prayed a great prayer. Well, thinking about prayer, someone gave me this recently. I thought it was humorous. What if God had voicemail? Most of us have now learned to live with uh, voicemail and phone trees as a necessary part of our daily lives. But have you ever wondered what it would be like if God decided to install voicemail? Imagine praying and hearing the following, thank you for calling heaven. For English, press 1. For Spanish, press 2. For all other languages, press 0. Please select one of the following options. Press 1 for request, 2 for thanksgiving, 3 for complaints, press 4 for all other inquiries. I'm sorry all of our angels and saints are busy helping other sinners right now. However, your prayer is important to us, and we will answer it in the order it was received. Please stay on the line. If you would like you to speak with God, press 1. Jesus, press 2. The Holy Spirit, press 3. If you would like to talk to King David and hear a psalm while you're holding, press 4. To find a loved one who has been assigned to heaven, press 5. Preservations in heaven, press J-O-H-N, followed by the numbers 316. And on and on it goes. Our computers show that you've already prayed today. We're sorry. Please hang up and try again tomorrow. The office is closed for the weekend. Thank you. Have a heavenly day. It goes on. You know, really, aren't we thankful that heaven's not like that? Let's all bow forward to prayer. Father, we thank you that we can come to you anytime, Lord, and we don't ever get a busy signal. Lord, help us today as we think about this amazing journey of an incredible man of God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, please. Let me just say, I really encourage you to write things down if you can. Now, some, I think, do better just listening, and that's good too. We're not going to make, you know, make sure you're jotting things down. If you have a Bible, a physical Bible in your hand, uh, you know, write in that thing. That's not a, it's sacred in its content, but the actual physical pages are meant for you to write on. Nothing like a beautiful Bible that's just been written in. You can pass it on to your children, grandchildren, years to come. Or uh, if you want a journal, some people just keep a journal and they go back over those. Uh, that's a great way. Have a, one of our saints, uh, I think Ashley it was, I saw, maybe somebody else, uh, does, I forget who it was, actually does uh, pictures. And uh, they, while I'm preaching or whoever's preaching, they actually draw a picture, and that's their notes. I think that's amazing. Um, 
You can also use the church app, and that's amazing because you can fill it out as we go along, and then you can have it emailed to you and keep a chronicle of that. Go back over it for your own devotions, for your family devotions, and so anyway, just a good reminder. We put a lot of work into our services, a lot of study into the messages, and uh, I think you'll probably get two, three, four times more out of it if you'll write it down. And then if you want to go to our podcast, they're uploaded by noon on Monday. Uh, You can uh, listen to it again or share it with a friend. All right, let's read 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Let's read it together. This man's name is pronounced Jabez. All right, out loud, let's read it from the heart. Ready? Begin. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Now, have you ever read through the genealogies? on your route to reading through the Bible. Every Christian should read through the Bible, cover to cover. If you read three chapters a day and five chapters on Sunday, it's done. You can skip between Old Testament and New Testament, book to book. Maybe that's one good way. Or if you want to multiply that, you can read through it twice a year or three times a year. But everybody ought to read through the Bible. And I think a good goal would be at least a few times, read it through in a year. It's incredible to read it through in a relatively short amount of time. But as have you've been reading through the Word of God, you've thrilled at the stories in Genesis, and then you read Exodus, God, you know, bringing them out of captivity, and you get maybe stuck and bogged down in Leviticus with all those uh, feasts and holy days and so forth. But you come to the back again to the historical books, and for the most part, they're exciting. And then you come to First Chronicles, and you come to the genealogies. And if you're like me, you hear you read a bunch of Hebrew names. It's like reading a Hebrew telephone directory. You know, you're like, what in the world? Hard to pronounce. What in the world is God doing? But there's at least two important reasons for a genealogy. The first one, just as a general reminder, every person counts in God's mind. We all count. God knows our name. He knows your address too, by the way. Amen. And so do I. And uh, we, we have people all the week out uh, checking our folks out. But, uh, but second of all, and more importantly really, the genealogies are one of the greatest physical proofs of the deity of Jesus Christ. No other nation, no other people group ever in the history of civilization has a 4,000-year successive history, so-and-so, then so-and-so, then so-and-so. It goes all the way back to Adam. There's no guesswork. And it all culminates in Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? Because God gave a promise to Adam. He said to Adam, your, to, the, to the wife and to Adam and Eve both, He said, your seed will break, will, your heel will, will break the head of Satan and 
from your seed will come the Messiah. And then, of course, the Davidic promise, the Abrahamic promise. God gave promises to each one that an unbroken line would come all the way to Jesus Christ. And so, every Jew knew that Jesus, the Messiah, had to have all, be related to David, had to be related to Abraham, and had to be related to Adam. And so, we have that in history. It is amazing. And so, as we go through First Chronicle, each name is important. But then, for some reason, parenthetically, God stops and for some reason, in chapter 4, he gives a shout-out to one particular person who apparently just was so amazing what he did. He came along. His name was Jabez. You'd say, well, is he just God's favorite? I like what one author said. God doesn't have favorites, but God does have intimates. Those who are intimate with him and close to him become certainly his favorite. And so Jabez learned on his journey how to be content with what he had, but not with who he was. Let's learn several things, first of all, this morning. Let's learn the limitations of his beginnings. We were told in the last part of that verse that he was born with sorrow. That's a rough start in life. He was born in a period of sadness. He had limitations to his beginnings. Now, the human body all has, each of us have limitations. Uh, there are some who are tall and be hard for them and big and be hard for them to get through small spaces. Others who are smaller, hard for them to do different things. I remember when I was uh, junior high, early high school, I loved to play basketball, but I was never very tall, especially in junior high. I was just about five foot two or something. And I love basketball, but I couldn't mix it up with anybody on the inside. Anywhere near the key, I had to be on the outside. So I developed a shot way on the outside edge there where the forwards go now. And that was my little place to be. But I always wondered, maybe I'll get taller. Maybe I'll be able to jump. <laughs> Finally, one day I realized I'm never going to be able to jump very high. I mean, if I work my hardest, I can get three inches off the ground. That's about it. But that's, I'm not going to, it's just... There are certain God-given limitations to my body. There's a max-out point, but it's not so with the human spirit. Our calling with God, sky, is the limit. God says you can, any one of you can soar spiritually. I love the story of the powerful evangelist Dia Moody. When he was just a young man, he heard these words, and it so inflamed his spirit. The words are this, the world is yet to see what can be done in and through one man totally surrendered to God. And when he heard those words, he said, that's going to be me. I am going to be that man who's totally surrendered to God. And I will tell you one thing, God used him in an amazing way. That's Jabez. Jabez certainly wasn't part of the Head Start program at his local school. His mother, in this very trying circumstances, actually named him Jabez, which means a person of sorrow or a season of sorrow. Now, of course, giving birth to a baby, any baby, is not a walk in the park, and for some more than others. But the surroundings of this birth were very difficult. And so on the eighth day, when a male child would come to be circumcised, the families would give the child 
a unique name. Sometimes it would be in reference to the way they looked. For the very uh, godly Jewish families, they would oftentimes pronounce a future blessing on the child. And such is the case with Jabez. They said he was a man of sorrow. I don't think they were trying to give him a bad name like, uh, you know, trouble. Imagine one of us naming our kids trouble, you know. That'd be a terrible thing to do to a child. They weren't trying to do that to him. They were just trying to remind themselves of a time when it was a very difficult season. And I think they were just saying Jabez was a blessing during that time of great sorrow. I know our daughter Faith, uh, all the children, we prayed and prayed, oh God, let us know what name you'd have. And the, our child Faith, Joanna Faith, uh, it's a time when we really needed God's faith in our family, in our ministry. It was just a serious moment. And uh, always remember her name. And I, it's just as a footnote, let me just say how much I thank God for the parents of this church who are very prayerful. And you think about the children's names. That's a wonderful thing to do. It's, it helps them. And it and if you'll remind them of their name, it, it just gives them a, a pattern to walk into. But I think this family, this mom, this dad, they wanted a continual mental sticky note. Hey, let's be thankful to God because at this time of sorrow, God gave us Jabez. And the fact is God never promised anyone, his own children, immunity from troubles and problems. Life is a veil of tear, but thank God we don't have to let those limitations define us. And that's Jabez. He started with limitations in life, and yet those limitations did not define him. The great Christian author E. Paul Hovey once said this, a blind man's world is bound by the limits of his touch. An an ignorant man's world is bound by the limits of his knowledge, but a great man's world is only bound by the limits of his vision, a man of vision. And that's what Jabez became. Though he had limits, that didn't affect his spiritual walk. Maybe it limited something in his physical life, but it didn't limit his spiritual look. First of all, the limitations of his blessing. Now notice, number two, the reputation of his character. Verse 9, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren more honorable. What does it mean to be more honorable? I'll tell you one thing, it is a blessing to know that he was more honorable. Now, that doesn't mean that the others were bad. In fact, that's actually a good shout out for the others. The others were honorable as well. And by the way, that's one of the great benefits of being faithful in church. You, without even knowing it, will assimilate the uh, things of honor into your life and into your family. You'll just begin to develop tastes in your own life and in your children's life. Be faithful because you become part of that honorable group. But Jabez, he had a special connection with God. Now, we're not told exactly what made him more honorable. Maybe he was a great military leader. Maybe he had been an influential person in the community. Maybe he was a great Bible teacher. But I think from what follows, we know perhaps what God was talking about. One interesting note, if you go, you don't have to turn there, but you can jot it down. If you go back to chapter 2 and verse 55 of 1 Chronicles, you'll note that they actually called one of the cities Jabez. And it was where the scribes lived. Very likely, they named that city after this very man, Jabez. 
the scribes, those who copied the law of God. I think it suggests that this man had a great reputation for loving the law of God, and he left many disciples behind him. This man loved the Bible. I think we're getting a little picture of what this man was about. He was a praying man. We do know that from what's going to follow here. He was a praying man, and by prayer and through prayer, he obtained the blessings of God. The way to be truly great is to truly pray. Billy Graham once said, heaven is full of answers to prayer for which no one ever even bothered to ask. Wouldn't that be terrible to walk into heaven? We get into our mansion there, we open up one of those doors, and in one room was all these amazing things. We're like, wow, what are all these? And they said, well, those were all the things you could have had on earth had you even asked. They're just waiting for us. He was an asker, for sure. The limitations of his beginning the reputation of his character, and now number three, the distinction of his prayer. And that's where we find him standing out. He prayed. It says, and Jabez called upon the God of Israel. Every day he would pray. It says he called on God daily, constantly. He prayed alone. He prayed with his wife. He prayed with his children. In fact, uh, Jabez really reminds me a lot of Daniel, a more known great prayer warrior in the Bible. But it says that Jabez called upon God. But notice it doesn't just say any God. It says he called upon the God of Israel. It doesn't say he just prayed to the whatever higher power there is. No, it says he prayed to the God of Israel. It doesn't say he prayed to Allah. It says he prayed to the God of Israel. Why the God of Israel? Because the God of Israel is the only living God. He is the only true God. He is the only God who can hear and answer prayer. That's who He is. He is the God of Israel. And specifically, He mentioned the covenant that God made with Jacob, who became Israel, a prince with God, the one who had been given a special promise and so by saying to the God of Israel, he was basically saying, God, I remind you, I am connected to you. We're in covenant with each other. Jabez knew that old saying, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And in prayer, that's really more, that's so true. You know, people want to say, oh, I, you know, I know the Bible. Amen. I'm glad you know the Bible. But it's not what you know, it's who you know. And when you know Jesus, you know God, you know the God of Israel, you're in a covenant with Him, and He acknowledged Him. And God loves to be acknowledged. And in prayer, some people say, well, why do I need to keep asking God? Doesn't He know everything He does? And in prayer, we never inform God. We acknowledge God. Nobody likes to be ignored, and God doesn't like it either when we just go on like we just everything's, I should have it. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray this every day. Give us this day our daily bread. Never stop in the morning and just assume you deserve food or you're going to have food. Every day, just say, Lord, we are so thankful for this food. I'm thankful for this house. I'm thankful for what you're about to give me. Notice what it says. He prayed, God, if thou wilt bless me and keep me. Circle that word or highlight that word, if. He didn't take God for granted, 
But it suggests here, this was one of those if-then prayers. If you'll do this for me, then I will dedicate myself to you. If you will do this to me, it is a spiritual promise. I will be surrendered to you. This wasn't one of those irrational, emotional, spiritual pie-in-the-sky statements. No, this was a determined, well-reasoned, from the heart, oh God, if you'll do this for me, I will serve you. I promise you, I will serve you. And then notice how he starts out. Oh, oh, my favorite prayer promise in the Bible. Oh, because there are times when I don't even know what in the world to pray, but I can always pray. Oh, and I'm thankful that the book of Romans says that God understands that language. I may not be able to speak Japanese or Tagalog or Spanish or not even English that great, but I'll tell you one thing, God knows that groaning language and he interprets it. Oh, oh, deep spiritual hunger that thou wouldst bless me. What were the blessings that he cried out for? Four things he prayed for. Number one, that God would bless him indeed. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Perhaps he was remembering God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 22 and verse 17. In blessing, I will bless thee. And all of the blessings that I'm planning for your land and for your ministry, I will bless thee. Basically, I think Jabez was saying, Lord, may the blessing of Abraham, may the blessing of Israel, may the blessing of my relationship to you as my covenant God, may it come upon me. And God's blessings are real things that produce real effects. They're not just some words we say, and sometimes I hear, you know, some Hollywood person saying, you know, we should pray, or, we, you know, sometimes you wonder, is that just words, or do you mean it? Do you believe that there's a real God who really answers prayer, and there are real effects? And that's what Jabez believed. This wasn't just some, you know, religious thing. He really wanted the blessings of God. Blessings. Thank God for all His blessings. But I think the blessings that Jabez was most praying for was, were spiritual blessings. Now, I'm sure he wanted, probably as we'll see here later, I think it meant, uh, you know, he wanted maybe a, a more uh, opportunities, and I'm sure that included maybe more resources and better place to live. I'm sure there was a lot of physical blessings he was thinking about. But my heart from reading this chapter afresh and anew I believe that Jabez was crying out for spiritual blessings. Oh, God, I want to understand your word. Oh, God, I want power in prayer. Oh, God, I want to be able to witness with effectiveness. Oh, God, use me for your kingdom. I think he wanted spiritual blessings. Dr. R.G. Lee, the brilliant pulpiteer, late pulpiteer of the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, one of the greatest, most gifted preachers ever. If you ever get an old book by R.G. Lee, you'll just read it and think, how in the world can anybody do that? It's amazing. But R.G. Lee was just so clever often in his preaching. He one time preached the sermon, Chasing Fleas. Chasing Fleas. And he talked about the time when King Saul was chasing David, and David said, why are you doing that? Why are you after me? Why are you chasing a flea? 
Here he was, a king with an army and everything at his resources, and he was worried about a flea like David. And Dr. R.G. Lee reminded the businessman in his church, that reminds me of some of you. You're chasing fleas. You have all these beautiful resources. You have a brilliant mind. You have the ability to make money, and you could be using all of that for the kingdom of God, and yet you're chasing a dollar or you're chasing fame. He reminded all the women of their abilities and their charm and their intellect to make a difference in others' lives. And he said, ladies, you're, but you're so shallow. You're chasing fleas. Let's seek spiritual blessings. And I think that's what Jabez was saying here. He was saying, look, oh God, bless me indeed. I want real blessings. I want serious blessings. I want true blessings. And I want all the blessings that you have for me. Jesus said in the great parable of the talents, he talked about some people having five talents, some three, some one. Now, for those who have five talents, that's great to go out and use it. For those who have two talents, amen, go out and use it. But for the one who just buried their talent, he said, now God wasn't upset at the one who just had one talent. He was just saying, don't bury it. God doesn't not upset with us because we're not a five-talent or a two-talent person. He just wants us to be all that we're supposed to be, and that's Jabez. His point was, he was simply saying, God, I want true blessings. I want to be truly blessed. By the way, this is a great prayer promise for you to write down and say, well, maybe you could say, okay, every day for 30 days or maybe... Uh, start off in January and saying, all right, every day I'm going to pray this prayer. Number one, I want the true spiritual blessings, or I want to be blessed indeed. Number two, he said that you would enlarge my coast and enlarge my coast. And circle that word and. And. So many times we're shy coming to God, you know. Oh, I couldn't ask that of God because that'd be just too much. God was like, lay it on me, baby. Just lay it on me and enlarge my coast, and bless my family, and, and. I'm glad that we can always have an and with God. God would prosper His endeavors, that God would increase His lot in life, that God would expand the footprint of His ministry, that God was blessed all that He's meant to do. I don't think He was trying to be up here. I just think He was trying to say, whatever you've called me to do, help me to be the best. If I'm called to be a custodian, Boy, help me to cuss the best that I can. If you want me to be a homemaker, then help me to bless and help that home the best that I can. But that whatever we're called to be, I would be the best and enlarge my coast. William Carey, oftentimes called the founder of modern missions, said a great statement that I'll never forget. I read in Bible college, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. One of the reasons why at my age and at my point in my ministry, I keep pushing ahead, keep looking ahead, is because I know God wants us to keep expecting great things from God. I don't think we're ever supposed to settle. I think we're supposed to just keep pushing, keep going. And then one day God will say, all right, it's time. Come on home. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. In the well-known and best-selling book, The Prayer of Jabez, the author talks about, however, what happens when you begin to expand your coasts, 
or as he calls them, borders. He said at the edge of those borders are bullies who don't want you to expand your borders. Border bullies, he called them in that excellent little book. The point being that there are real-life people, sometimes friends and sometimes even family members, who will discourage you from following God's vision for your life. I got to tell you, I wasn't really excited when I heard uh, Matt and Rachel tell me they were going to head off to Japan. Well, you going to go there for like a week or something or what? <laughs> you might mean going to go there, stay there. That don't sound right. And, uh, but you know what? We've got to say, okay, God, that's, if that's what you've called them to do, we can't let them, we can't discourage them from doing what God has called them to do. When I was, uh, just after I graduated from high school, God was working on me. First few years of high school, I was just kind of a, a blob, pretty much living for myself. Then God began to speak to me, and I kind of got a bad attitude, and it didn't go well, and uh, got, uh, got worldly, and in my senior year of high school, God began to work on my spirit. And uh, Dad uh, asked me if I'd be a bus captain, so I, I w did. And when you take a carnal person and make them a bus captain, it doesn't go well. They either, uh, either got to get spiritual or it's just going to be tough. And I was not only a bus captain, I was a bus driver driving this big old Mac, uh, 50 passenger bus and no power steering. I mean, I, and you think I'm kidding you, but when you, steer, when you turn that steering wheel, I had to step up, turn it, put my hip against it so it wouldn't go back. And then like, I mean, it, well, you can't even believe it. 1940 something Mac. And uh, man, it was crazy. And then, but God began to work on me. And when I graduated from high school, I decided I was going to go to Bible college. I had a scholarship to uh, Omelinda University. And uh, surprisingly interesting, first scholarship was to the University of Pacific. I didn't even heard of Stockton at that time. But um, then um, I decided I was going to go to Bible college and I might even be a pastor. And I remember my friend Chuck Phillips, who was with me all those rascal years, he said, uh, I told him, I told Chuck, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Bible college. He just looked at me and laughed. He said, you, Bible college, are you serious? He said, you'll never make it. Well, that made me mad, you know. <laughs> you tell me I can't make it? Nope, you're not going to make it. Well, that's just one thing just kind of set inside of me. But, you know, that's the point is that there's going to be border bullies who will say, you can't do it. <laughs> the rest of the story is Chuck. I did go to college, did go to Bible college, did end up becoming a pastor, and Chuck went on to marry a pastor's daughter. And, uh, I, and about a year ago, he called me. I hadn't heard from him for 30-plus years. I told him, you know you're never allowed to come to my church, right? And uh, <laughs> just in case you're thinking, I think he lives in Turlock. <laughs> just want to let you know. Um, number three, that God's hand might be with him. That's what he prayed for that thine hand might be with me. Unless God's hand is with us to strengthen us, to lead us, at best, we're going to only be mediocre. Jabez prayed to a big God, and he prayed a big prayer. That's why I love Psalm 81 and verse 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. 
Here God gives the psalmist his, uh, his background and give his, his pedigree. And he said, um, <laughs> I brought five plus million people out of Egypt. I fed them every day in a desert, three meals a day in a desert, food and water, not just for a few minutes, but for 40 years. I think I can take care of you in your future, what you're talking about. Open your mouth wide. Open your mouth wide. Have you ever seen a little bird's nest and all those little birds, just their mouth open wide? God said, be like a little bird. Just open your mouth wide and say, God, give me every worm you want to give me. I want it all. That's why Jabez was so honorable, because he prayed. But notice what he prayed. He said, I want your hand, thine hand, to be with me. Thine hand. He wanted a blessing, (laughs) but he wanted the blessor. And so many of us are so concerned about the blessing, we're forgetting about the blessor. And here, Jabez said, I want the blessor. I want thine hand. Yes, I want to have my border expanded. I want more ministry. I I want to be used by you. I want to be blessed. I, I want all that for your kingdom's sake. But he said, most of all, I want you. I want you, God. And then he said that thine hand might be with me. With me. It's all right to pray. God bless me. Now, sometimes, you know, we in church, we, we remind ourselves to be unselfish, we remind ourselves to not be so self-thinking, but it's certainly all right to pray that God would bless me. Oh, God, bless me. Bless me. I want your hand upon me. We ought to pray for ourselves. I believe we ought to pray for our family and our loved ones and for the kingdom of God, but it's all right to pray for me. He was praying to a king, and so he prayed for a king-sized blessing. He said, I want you to bless me. Now, you'd say, well, doesn't that sound kind of presumptuous, or doesn't it sound kind of, you know, like I'm just trying to get stuff for myself? Not if God is in the middle. Not if I want it for the kingdom of God. Bless me so that I can bless others. And that's why, that's what God told Abraham. I'm going to give you a blessing, and you're going to be a blessing. That's the whole point. It's not just so I can count my pennies or look at my name in lights. Uh, I keep getting these little emails from some academic uh, place, uh, and they keep telling me that the name Tim Pollock was mentioned in this journal, or the name Tim Pollock was mentioned in this article. And I was like, man, what are they talking about? And uh, I want to look it up, you know, but there's a fee if you want to find out who's, you know, quoting you. And, you know, those people, but that's what they're like. They, you know, they want to feed on your, uh, you know, on your feeling about yourself. But the honest truth, there's nothing wrong with wanting God to bless me. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be used by God and to have riches and to, to have blessings. And as long as, as it's, the point is, if it's for God. If it's for the kingdom of God, Lord, bless me. That's what we're looking for. He, four things that he prayed for, that God would bless him indeed. I want the true blessings. I want really to be blessed. Number two, he wanted for God to enlarge his coast. He wanted to be used by God in a greater way. But he wanted to make sure that it was God that was with him, not just his blessings. And number four, that God would keep him from evil. That thou wouldest keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. 
First of all, I think he's referring to the evil designs of his enemies. Now, folks, every discerning believer knows that the devil is out to get us. The world is out to destroy us. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, the thief comes to steal and to destroy. He's trying to consume the things in our life. For us to think otherwise is to be short-sighted. I don't believe we ought to be a suspicious person, but you should not be blind to the fact that you have an enemy. He'd say, well, I'm kind of a peace-loving person. I don't really have enemies. You do have enemies. I promise you, you have enemies. It's a First of all, it's just in a general way, it is a war out there. And every Bible-believing, God-fearing Christian has the enemy of this world. And we see it so often portrayed in this liberal, terrible media that just is constantly attacking anything holy, anything righteous, anything good. But friends, not only do we have general enemies, we often find ourselves with personal enemies. And this prayer is to be able to give you insight in how to ask God's protection against those personal enemies. You'd say, well, how in the world can I have a personal enemy? I'm such a nice person. <laughs> That's the amazing thing about the thing that we have, this faith of ours. You can go about your business. You can be serving God, praying, witnessing, tithing, going to church, God-fearing Christian, and you can get so many enemies, you, didn't even, you can't even imagine how many enemies you'd get just by trying to serve God. Sometimes you get them at work just because, you know, you're trying to serve God and you try to do the right thing. Sometimes you get them even in your family, sometimes in your neighborhood. This is one of those prayer promises that God gives you to be able to pray. Now, I believe we ought to love our enemies. I believe we ought to feed our enemies, as Jesus said. I believe we ought to go that extra mile with our enemies. But there are times that we ought to pray a prayer like this or one of the hundreds of prayer promises in the book of Psalms. You'd say, well, what's an enemy? Well, here's my definition of an enemy personally. I'll give you some insight into how I pray. Anybody who is used by God, or excuse me, used by the devil, used by the world, whatever, anybody who attempts to hurt my marriage, hurt my family, or hurt my ministry, they're my enemy. Now, do I hate them? No, I don't hate them. I love them. Do I want to get back at them? No, I don't want to get back at them. Are you bitter at them? I'm not bitter at them, but they're my enemy, <laughs> and I view them as such. Therefore, I can pray against that. Oh, God, keep me from the enemy. Anybody trying to subvert uh, the minds of my wife or my children, someone trying to sow discord in my marriage, or someone trying to steal the heart of a child, or someone trying to, to steal away the, the, the precious little lambs. I'll tell you one thing, they're my enemy. And I will say, you don't, it is a terrible thing to be on the receiving end of a prayer against an enemy. And that's what Jabez knew, that if you're going to achieve anything for God, you've got to learn how to pray against your enemies. He prayed for God in a general sense, God, keep me from the enemy, but I think in a personal sense. But not only was it the evil designs of his enemies, I think he was praying against the evil inclinations of his own flesh. And thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. Or, oh God, keep me from screwing this up. 
Oh, dear God. I mean, folks, when you, it's one thing just to be single, going along, but if God gives you a notable job, notable position, maybe you get married, then you have children, and then maybe you have a pretty good number of children, then maybe God gives you grandchildren, and those grandchildren start growing up. I tell you what, every year you live, you begin thinking, oh, dear Jesus, don't let me mess this thing up. You just think, oh, my good, it'd be terrible. Oh, it'd be terrible to send a message to this family. Oh, I want to die not screwing these things up. And I think that's what Jabez was saying. Like the one, uh, the one great uh, CEO of one of the Fortune 500 companies, they asked him what his mission statement was. He said, my mission statement is to stay paranoid. <laughs> Stay paranoid. <laughs> and uh, if you're in a, especially a technology company, you know, you're always looking to make sure nobody's stealing your info or, you know, just stay, par- or what's people, junior executives or what the board's doing. I mean, just stay paranoid. But the fact is we ought to stay paranoid of our own flesh, shouldn't we? That's what Paul said. He said, no, it, n- nobody should ever think that just because you're standing, you'll never fall. Take heed. I think we ought to stay wary of scams and stay wary. I got a phone call this week, and I, didn't, I don't take phone calls because there's so many crazy calls anymore, but I always follow up on them. And I was reading the transcription of it, and it said, this is so-and-so legal uh, company, and we are calling. If you do not call within a certain amount of hours, we are going to proceed with uh, legal action against you. And I was like, wait, what? What, what is this? And it's a f- crazy how... All they have to say is, you know, legal proceedings against you. And wait, I'm just, you know, fear. And I was, wait, that doesn't work that way. That's not the way, you know. I haven't had the, the IRS call me, you know. And uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to garnish this. And uh, it's like, wait, how can it? Then I really, it's just a scam. But you know what? We have to be, a, we have to always be wary of falling. Be wary of people trying to take our resources, destroy our family, and be wary of falling. I'll tell you one thing, it is so easy to to fall. It's been said there are three persons sitting in the congregation this morning. There is the person that you are right now. There is the person that you could be for evil if you ever take your eyes off Jesus. And thank God there is the person you could be. If you pray this prayer of Jabez, if you say, God, I want to be more honorable. I, am the, I want to be that kind of a person. And that leads me to point number four. First of all, the limitations of his beginning, the reputations of his character, the distinction of his prayers, the satisfaction of his request. Number four, and God granted him that which he requested. God granted him. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, the Lord saith, them that honor me, I will honor. He wasn't afraid to ask for something big and to ask something big for himself because he knew he would, be a, he would bless others with it. John Newton, the wonderful author of the incredible hymn, Amazing Grace, said this, Thou art coming to a king, big petitions with thee bring. His power and grace are such Thou canst not ask too much. And so here he is, Jabez, just one man, tucked in nine chapters, 500 names, and God highlights him. God says, I'm going to tell you about this guy, Jabez. He 
was incredible. Not because of his physical skills. In fact, he was born with two strikes against him. He had the headwinds against him. He was born with sorrow. That's his very name. By the way, that little phrase where it says, keep me from evil, in the original Hebrew language, it actually, if you read the Hebrew language, it means, keep me from being a Jabez. He was saying, keep me from my name. Don't let me be what my name is. I don't want to be a man of sorrow. I want to be used by God. And here he is, Jabez. God is saying, you can be that. Be that kind of a person that has a journey like Jabez. Too many Christians have such small ambitions. With this, I close. I heard about a very wise man who was speaking to a young man. This wise, godly older Christian was speaking to the young man and said, Sud, what do you want to do in life? (laughs) Well, I want to go to law school. Well, well, then what do you want to do after that? Well, I want to graduate. Well, yes, of course, good, but then what? Well, I want to start a law practice. I want to open my office, want to hang out my shingle, want to be successful in the legal profession. Fine, fine, sounds good. Well, what then? Well, he said, I want to get married. I want to have a wife and children and I'd like to have a nice home, live someplace, a nice safe place. And so that's good, fine. What then? Well, I guess I'd like to have some grandchildren, and I'd love to have grandchildren who were good and that love me. And, and uh, well, then what? Well, I'd like to retire from my law practice. We well, said, then what? He said, well, I'd like to have a good, nice, healthy old age, and I'd like to be surrounded by my loved ones. He said, then what? Well, then I guess I'd like to die, I guess. He said, good, that's fine. He said, well, then what? The guy said, what do you mean, then what? He said, son, you need to be thinking about after death. Your vision needs to be bigger than just this life. It needs to be bigger. What kind of a legacy am I going to leave? That was Jabez. Folks, God loves each of us this morning, and He wants us to have a legacy like Jabez. What is your journey? It could be a Jabez. Let's bow for our...